What would you do if Medicare didn't pay you for 12 months? I interview George Tambassis and we discover how this crisis gave birth to incredible innovation with technology in Portugal. And we discuss the e-health scene in Australia as well. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, episode 13. The first show in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to help you, the motivated pharmacy owner, build your smarter, more successful, sustainable 21st century business. I'm Robert Starr, your host and guide on this great journey of ours. And certainly what a big week it has been. Before I start getting on my soapbox, and I do have an issue I really want to bring to you guys' attention, um, I want to talk about the Transformation book. We haven't spoken about this in a little while, and that's because there's been a lot happening behind the scenes. Coming back from APP 2014 and speaking to a lot of pharmacy owners there, as well as also in the coming months afterwards, I decided to, having spoken to a number of them and circulated my synopsis, and certainly if any of you listening would like to read the synopsis, I encourage you to head across to the blog site, robertstar.wordpress.com, and request uh, the transformation updates, and you'll get a copy of the synopsis sent out to you. Um, And I'd encourage your feedback as well. But the feedback that I have received so far is that you guys want action. You want implementation steps. You want a roadmap to be able to deliver this transformation in your business as well. So what I've decided to do is I'm producing an online workbook that you can access anywhere, anytime you want to interact with the book and read the book or even listen to the book. The audio book will come as well. And be able to do that so that at the end of the book, you can have a 12-month roadmap of implementation and you can feel confident that you can execute on that as well. So that's what I want for, for you guys as my listeners. And also, you know, I think it's probably the quickest way that we're going to put action into words. We all are very guilty of going to conferences, attending seminars, getting lots of ideas, But the implementation and the action is really where it makes the biggest difference to our business. And that's what I'd love for you guys to have. So all of the information will come up for that shortly. But what that is and the important thing for for you to realize is that we're going to delay the launch of the book. Da da! I can't believe I've said that. I did say June 2014 all along. But in order to get all of these tools lined up for you so that you can interact from it from day one, the workbook doesn't come out a month after launch, I've decided to do my launch in August of 2014. The good news is, thanks to your feedback from some earlier episodes, I'm going to come around the country and see as many of you in person as I can. So at this stage, we're looking at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth and Tasmania as well in Hobart. So I'd love for you guys to give me as many ideas as you'd like as what you'd like to see in the launch. I'm happy to include a number of other things as well as just promoting the book and telling you a bit more about that. I'm happy to take feedback and interject any of those things into the launch itself. So if you have any ideas, if you want to get involved in the launch, very happy to have those conversations too. We also 
on a, on a very positive front, are now in 28 countries, would you believe? We said 23. I'll name the other five next week. I'm not going to detract from getting ahead on, on this episode and not getting on my soapbox, which I will do very shortly. Um, but that's a, just a fantastic thing. So welcome to our new five countries, and you guys will be named next week. I appreciate the support and also the feedback that comes through as well. I've also decided to slice up um, these podcasts as well. Believe it or not, not everyone wants to, and it's not everyone's cup of tea, to listen to the Transformation Show for an hour. And you might want to slice it up and take little nuggets as you go. And even if you want to go back through some older episodes, there might be specific things that you want to listen to and you don't want to just slide your cursor along to find the appropriate juncture in the podcast to get hold of those things. So I've decided to create some playlists in SoundCloud. Unfortunately, the iTunes podcast store only allow me to have a single podcast. But in SoundCloud, and for those who follow me on social media or receive these via via social media, my posts generally have a link of SoundCloud included. And the playlist will include things like new technology, the learnings and snippets from interviews. So when we get some real nuggets of gold that come from some of our interview guests, I'd love to be able to package that up for you. And also the transformations, so the the micro transformations, I should say. So things like Dropbox last week and electronic faxing, password management. It might be tools to use at conferences. We'll package those up into little snippets so that you can decide when you want to listen to those things. And they might only be one or two minutes at a time. So really easy to digest and you don't have to put an hour of your time aside to to do that and I really do appreciate everyone doing that on a consistent basis as well we're now getting an audience of well over a hundred every week um, and putting an hour of your time away particularly with these longer interviews and I think we'll agree they've been terrific um, in their insights it's it's much appreciated that you'll allow me to do that for you every week so on to my soapbox for the week what am I going to be going on about well I would love to see more positive pharmacy news stories. There's too much negativity. We're hearing too much about PBS reform. We're hearing too much about how the government think that pharmacies whinging about how they're not dipping into their pockets and giving us more. We need more positivity. We need to be projecting a positive image to our customers and our prospective patients we need to be able to do that because otherwise we will be seen as you know the little kid who didn't get their way and we didn't get the big lollipop, we only got the little one. So what am I getting at? This week is Kidney Health Week and it's got such a great positive aspect for pharmacy as well. One in three people will be predisposed to kidney disease, particularly if you have diabetes or high blood pressure. And I got on my soapbox when we had Australia's biggest health, biggest health check with Up quite a few weeks ago and I said that they didn't have a Twitter handle and there were 1.2 million impressions around hashtag Chemart and I criticised them for not having a, 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 a Twitter handle. They've gone ahead and they've got a Twitter handle now and they've got a great Twitter presence. So I do commend Jonathan and the team at Chemart for doing that. It's a great opportunity and they've jumped on it. Um, but I am going to turn my attention to Ancal and Guardian. Now, you guys have produced a world-first test for diabetics and high blood pressure sufferers that are available in all Amcal and Guardian pharmacies. What a great initiative. 
Scream it from the treetops, literally, the social treetops. But you can't do it if you don't have a brand Twitter handle, which Amcal and Guardian don't, not an active one. It is reserved, but they're not using it. There's no YouTube videos. There are no hashtags for them to follow. And on their Facebook sites, there's no promotion. A handful of stores have Twitter handles, but none of them are promoting it. Why not? It's such a great story, and it shows the real positive impact that pharmacies around Australia can make. So I'd commit, I'd really recommend that Amcal and Guardian pharmacies, either individually or as a brand, get on it, because it's such a big opportunity, and our patients are in social areas. I have probably spoken in the past how the largest growing area of social media, particularly in Facebook, is in the over-65s. So they will find you and they will want to listen to it as well. So please, guys, take the opportunity and scream as many positive pharmacy stories as you can from your rooftop. Our interview today is with George Tambassis. He's the National President of the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, a pharmacy owner of himself. He's been involved in community pharmacy for over 25 years and joined the Pharmacy Guild Victorian Branch Committee in 2005. That branch committee has been a shareholder in Fred IT for decades who have been at the forefront of everything e-health. George aims to ensure that pharmacy maintains its place in an ever-changing world by continually advancing the profession and providing the public with services, value and advice that they would not be able to obtain elsewhere. George Tambassis, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to have you on, and we did promise our listeners that we would try to get you on um, following on from uh, CBIT a few weeks ago. Um, George, uh, as I understood, um, you were part of a panel discussion um, where um, they discussed ownership in the personally controlled electronic health record, which is we'll probably talk about as uh, looking like changing a little bit. Um, but could you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what you got out of that panel discussion? I was only ended up. I think the panel was going to be at least four members, but at least a couple um, did make it or didn't get there on time. I'm not sure what happened, but it was only myself and an ex, um, I think, government employee. Now that he's in the private sector, so basically we were allowed some opening statements. So I made my opening statements and made it quite clear that the guild's position and my personal position is that. Any uh, personally controlled electronic health record should be a opt-out system. It should be a system that uh, perhaps the private sector can have some involvement in, but all the government governance and all the uh, guidelines and the safety and the security should be something that the government should be involved in. And that uh, pharmacy per se, certainly pharmacy owners, uh, were and always are early adopters of all this technology, this IT stuff that we're talking about here. So we will certainly in favour of the PCEHR in whatever form it comes out uh, at, at the end of the day. But we also um, believe it's got huge public benefits uh, and that's why we would be you know, not only a supporter but we'd want to get involved and we already are involved in a roundabout way in respect to uh, you know, things that we've already implemented in the technology area, the IT area, including uh, you know, ERX, including PBS Online you know, years ago. So 
we believe at the Guild that we're early adopters in this area, so we certainly would su- support um, some you know, positive push towards the PCEHR. Absolutely, and I think the statistic that I got hold of a couple of weeks ago that there was 1.5 million registrations for the PCHR, but only about 6,000 active users. So was there any discussion, I guess, uh, even coming from the audience about how, um, I guess, interaction and uh, use of the PCHR could be improved? Uh, I can't remember if it was after the panel or whether it was, you know, whilst I was on the panel, but I certainly had a question from a Medicare local uh, either staffer or executive or management from one of the Medicare locals around Australia. And her question to me was, you know, why aren't pharmacies or pharmacists actively signing up PCEHR registrants or people to go on the PCHR? Yeah. And my answer to her was that we were waiting for this review to come through, which, you know, I'm happy to talk about soon. But so, yeah, and obviously there was no directive from anyone to ask pharmacists to to sign people up. So the Guild's view was, let's wait for the uh, review to come through, let's see what's happening with this PCHR, and then we'd be happy to, to help out if, you know, there was some funding for us to also sign up some uh, some some people for the PCHR. Because, a- as you know, Medicare Local got a whole tranche of funding to, to get involved there, but, you know, com- community pharmacy missed out. So there was some sort of misconception that, Pharmacists just want just need to do it for free, I suppose. So I, I basically just referred that back to the review and said, "Look, once the review comes through, we will give you our position." At the moment, any community pharmacist can basically is free to do whatever he or she likes in in, in their businesses. Yeah, absolutely, and certainly from my experience with the Medicare locals, um, they do have general uh, field officers that do get out to pharmacies trying to help them with all the paperwork and registration. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, being being so um, on, on the cusp of the high, highly adopted end of technology and having ERX and EBS online, we're, we're ready and we're able to be writing to that record. Uh, but if the other health professionals aren't as ready, then it probably isn't as relevant. But I, I, guess, that, I guess from the other allied health and, and GPs, was anything discussed, I, I guess, on that panel or even from the audience about how other health professional groups can improve their, obviously, uh, adoption and also the ability to write to the record as well? Oh, not too much discussion there. No, the, the other um, panel member was really just going through all the sort of government perspective of the PCHR, what he thought or what, what he thought the government's role should be or how much input they should have in it. And he was a huge supporter of the, of the then called PCHR. Now it's going to be called something else. But, mm. uh, but he had some issues about governance and, and, and how um, the government should you know, have some control on the private privacy of the whole thing. But no, there wasn't too much discussion about other healthcare, allied healthcare professionals. Like I said, there was a couple of questions from some Medicare local sort of type of people, but that was about it. Okay, no, that's fine. And look, obviously, they're, they're, uh, the aim of that particular e-health conference at CBIT was, uh, I guess, recognising the, uh, the increasing amount of spend on e-health and IT in particular um, in the coming years. And um, it was obviously a lot about trying to, I guess, uh, find new ways and to try to improve the current position. And um, uh, I guess from, from, my, from my understanding, they were going even down the further path of looking at, um, I think, was, it, was it Tim Blake? Who was the other um, panellist that you may have had? 
Oh, I just can't remember Robert. Okay. Can't remember his name. Yeah. No, that's okay. I, I, I believe he might have been a strategic advisor to Tasmanian Department of Health and Human Services. But it was it was interesting to um, to read on that uh, he did a, a presentation later later in the day um, about the engaged patient, and um, obviously we had um, Kathy Reid on the program uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about wearable technology and that um, quantified self movement of having uh, patient data freely flowing between themselves and healthcare professionals to be able to access data and obviously help patients on a preventative and wellness standpoint. Um, I remember Cos originally was talking about um, um, pharmacy and partnering with the Microsoft Health Vault um, as far as connecting um, devices um, within the pharmacy record space. Has there been any further development on that? Not, not that I know, Robert. No, I'm not familiar with that. Okay, no, that's fine, because I, I believe we, 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 we were chosen um, as a profession by Microsoft as the, uh, the profession to partner with in terms of that connectivity, but yeah, look, it all is very, um, it's on a very high development phase at the moment, and uh, I believe Microsoft Health Vault is available in Australia, but uh, I imagine that um, it probably will interface with the health record, uh, and I suppose that's, that's a good lead-in, um, and last week it was obviously announced that um, there was some committee recommendations about 38 um, to Peter Dutton around a health um, did you want to tell our listeners I guess where the um, where the guild and also yourself see those proposed changes and what the potential impact is on us sure so I'll go I'll just go through some of the uh, highlights of what we thought the the key um, actions or um, benefits of this panel recommendations were in in, in the guild's uh, opinion and also comment on some of these so-called recommendations, whether A, we support them, or B, whether we're you know, on a holding pattern on them. So the first obvious one is that uh, the, the, the panel recommended the, the name change from PCEHR, Personally Controlled Electronic Health Record, to My Health Record. Well, the Guild really has no position on that one. It's up to them what they want to call it, so neither here or there. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, the, the restructuring of the governance is probably a good move. So dissolve this NEDA organisation and, and replace it with this thing called the Australian Commission for Electronic Health. Well, you know, again, it's probably good because I, I think there were some issues at NEDA, but again, the Guild is neither here or, or, or there on that one. Uh, what else did they recommend? There's certainly more involvement from the Department of Health, the 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 the, the the review panel wants the Department of Health and Department of Human Services to have um, more control of the whole system. Yep. So they want to centralise the system through the Department of Human of uh, Human Services. Again, it's a wait and see sort of thing there for us. The 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 one that we do support is the transition to an opt out model for all um, for all Australians. So we think that's the only way to go. Uh, this target date of the first of January. Uh, I think this is just my personal opinion on the guilds, but I think that's uh, highly, highly unlikely that we get it up by the first of January. But I'm glad they're at least got a uh, a target date. Yeah. Uh, they're they're um, recommending a huge or some sort of um, education campaign for consumers and clinicians, which I think is great. So I suppose that education campaign will include think things like um, the strength of of security of the whole system and the privacy of the system. 
So I think we've got to make that pretty clear to clinicians and consumers. Otherwise, you know, everyone's going to be opting out if they think there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, expanded uh, set of over-the-counter medicines. That's certainly something that the guild and I personally, and I hope all pharmacists out there, would be hu- in, 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 in uh, huge support of, including uh, on this so-called record, you know, purchases that, that our, our, our patients, our customers um, buy over the counter that may well um, play a role in people's health records. And you know, the obvious examples are things like, you know, addictive medications like um, codeine-containing painkillers, uh, pseudoephedrine-containing products that, we know have got the uh, risk of um, diversion uh, and any other um, pharmacy only or S3 medications that play a role in a person's uh, medication history. So, I pretty, think that's, so pretty much the scheduled medicines. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's where it's going to go. And uh, it doesn't specifically say scheduled medicines, it says OTC, so we'll have to wait on that one. But, but I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to make sure that pharmacists play that extra role to always put those medications on a person's health record. How it's going to happen, Robert, I don't know, because as you know, our point yeah. of sale systems don't usually reflect the uh, customer's details or name or or, or uh, Medicare number, so I'm not sure how it's going to link yeah. with that. Uh, I, I think, I think that's, that is a big challenge, and certainly the, the, challenge. Way, the way we've gone about that in the past is to just simply dispense it and uh, treat, yeah. it, treat it as an S3 recordable type medicine, but yeah. yeah. It's going to be hard, but look, uh, in uh, again, I, I've just recently got back from Europe. In uh, Overseas, in countries overseas, they have got on top of that. I, I spent a week in Portugal, for example, and Sure, their OTC side of the business is not as big as ours here in uh, Australia. It's a more, um, it's not as a, as a mature pharmacy market over there as ours is. Like, for example, they haven't got banner groups or anything. They still, they still run all their pharmacies as independents like it used to be in Australia 20, 25 years ago. But they, they record every single thing on their software and it's a combined software package that they run. And so, therefore, their data is much um, more uh, robust than us and, and, and their uh, data collection and their um, so-called PCHR is um, basically up and running because of the fact that they record everything. So how are we going to get over that line? I don't know, but I still think it's a great idea to record OTCs. I'll let the uh, technology experts work that out. Yeah. Um, and I think they're also recommending, uh, which is a huge um, issue for most community pharmacies, they're re- recommending that um, discharge summaries from uh, hospitals are also intimately involved in the My Health Record of the old PCHR. So, and that's certainly an area that most community pharmacies find hard to reconcile when people leave a, uh, a hospital after a short stay, a long stay, and come out with all sorts of different medications all it is is a paper-based record. So I think if the hospitals are on board and they're also um, putting all that data, all those medications on the so-called record, I think it would be great. Mm, absolutely. And I think, you know, having having uh, had a lot of those weekend incidents where patients, particularly nursing home patients, get discharged over the weekend with very little paperwork and little communication, the uh, 
closer we can get to bridging that gap of uh, communication and uh, collaboration, uh, it certainly would be a great, a great step. Um, I guess, just even just to touch on, you mentioned that um, you spent some time in, in Portugal. How did they um, have their model set up as far as, did they have um, cloud-based dispensary point-of-sale systems? Did that seem to be a way that they were able to engage with the PCHR a bit more? Or did you see that their systems may have been a little bit better connected than what we have? Uh, I'm not sure if it was cloud-based, but I think it was. So don't quote me on the cloud base. Mm. But the, the the huge difference was what I what I mentioned before. Because their OTC market is not huge, or because they just seem to think that it's a great idea, they put everything through one software um, program, and they will take the patient's details down every time. So if you're not a patient at that pharmacy. The transaction takes a little bit longer because they will take your details down yeah. unless for some reason you opt out, like a tourist, I suppose, like myself. Yeah. So their um, software is a is a um, product called Sifama, okay. and uh, and it's it's actually quite novel the way they run it. So if you if you give me a little bit of latitude here, I'll go through because I actually found it quite interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the, in a roundabout way, they are linked to what um, that to what we've done in Australia in the last couple of decades where they've actually the equivalent of the guild over there, the ANF, the Association Nationale Pharmacistas, have set up a, uh, a company that runs this program called Sufama. So they own that company, much the same way as we have an investment in Fred IT here in Australia. So they own that company. Um, at one stage, they had about 60 or 70 percent penetration of the market over there. So there's about just over a thousand pharmacies in Portugal, so you could you could say their um, pharmacy market is as big as Victoria's, and uh, yeah, they had about sixty or seventy percent um, into uh, uh, expansion into the market, and then it got to the stage where a few years ago they had that massive global financial crisis where um, their government and also other European governments basically stopped paying for their PBS. So can you imagine dispensing medicines for weeks, if not months, on the equivalent of the PBS over there, getting your co-payment from your patient but not getting the reimbursement for the government as for as long as 12 months? So they basically the cash flow was just completely dried off. So it would have been very similar to probably what was being experienced in Greece, maybe even slightly yes. less or so. Yeah, so it got to about 12 months, they told me. So then the Guild or the equivalent of the Guild, the ANF, stepped in and said, look, We'll we'll um we'll put together a mezzanine finance company called um, Finafarma, I think they called it. Uh, they had some some cash um, uh, in the bank, so to speak, from from the good old days, the ANF. So they set up this uh, mezzanine finance company called uh, Finifarma, and they said to every pharmacy in Portugal, if you have the Sifarma software pr package that we promote, where you sell products through that software package and you also dispense, you can link into this mezzanine finance company that we control again that we own and we've put all the backing behind it and we've put all our cash reserves into this um, uh, mezzanine finance company and it's completely IT savvy and it's, it's, it sits above your uh, our software company called Safama. We will guarantee your payment to the equivalent of the PBS every week just like we have it here in Australia PBS online every Friday night or Saturday morning we get our payments. Well, the ANF over there said to the Portuguese pharmacists, if you have our software and you link up with our Finifarma, we will pay your uh, PBS every Saturday morning on a weekly basis. We'll guarantee payment for you and we will charge you a very, very small fee for that. And then in the back end, 
we will, as a as a group, as a total pharmacy market, chase the money from the government, irrespective of how long it takes, but also charge them commercial interest rates for any uh, any money in arrears. Mm-hmm. So they set that up a couple of years ago. They solved all the cash flow problems for um, for Portugal. And guess what? That Civ Pharma software program that dispenses and sells everything in uh, in Portuguese pharmacies went from 60% market share to more or less 100% market share. Oh, you would have been crazy not to take it up, you know, what, what a tremendous support to the pharmacist there, you know, certainly yeah. one-week cash flow cycles are far better than 12 months. Absolutely. That's right, and then over and above that, Robert, again, this is all stuff that comes out of adversity. I mean, people start thinking laterally and outside the box, you know, under, under severe conditions and you know, fiscal pressures. So then over and above that, they decided to also set up another company, which more or less works with those two other software programs, to extract data out of Sifama. Now that they have the whole market covered in Portugal, they set up a company that basically does the same thing as IMS does around the world and extracts data out of the pharmacist's uh, software and they, uh, you know, in a, in a de-identified way, sell that data to the government or sell that data to, to the government. So that small fee that you get, you pay to actually get on on board to guarantee your um, payments every month is basically uh, <coughs> ticked off by another fee that you get for actually allowing data extraction out of your software. So one cancels out the other. Mm. So even even though you're 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 paying the ANF a small fee to guarantee your payment every month every week, they now extract data out of their out of their um, uh, ANF um, members and pay them a fee for that, and one cancels out the other. Yeah, and I, I dare say that uh, your equivalents over there would have had a far better relationship and a stronger relationship with the government probably as a result of that data as well. Yes, yeah, they're giving them all that data, and I've been told that, that Portugal, because of this um, pretty quirky setup, is one of, one of only very few markets around the world where IMS has not got market share because the ANF have taken over the data extraction business and because they have almost 100% coverage, IMS can't crack that market. Mm, no, absolutely. No, that, Very interesting. That, that, yeah. no, that's fascinating. And, you know, again, like you say, in adversity, uh, innovation can thrive. And, you know, certainly uh, it's something that, uh, you know, all, all of us as pharmacy owners face every day and we need to be consistently thinking a little bit outside of that. George, I might uh, change pace a little bit because you are also a pharmacy owner as well as our Guild president. Uh, I guess when you came into pharmacy um, and also over your journey, um, how have you imagined the use of technology would evolve and how has it in fact evolved in your pharmacies? Well, I couldn't have imagined it getting where it is now because when I started, Robert, um, probably um, 1986, 87, you know, at, at at Monash University, we were being taught how to operate computers with little cards, little paper cards. So I never thought it was going to get to where it is today. But, you know, as I said before, the pharmacy market was always at the forefront from day one. So I was there when we changed from typewriters in community pharmacies to those really, really slow computers, had the green writing with a black background. And, you know, I always wondered back then, what the heck are we doing with these computers? They're so slow and they break down all the time. And there was this button that was on and off that everyone would say, just press that. If there's any problem, just reboot the whole system and you're fine. There was no connectivity to anything. 
all it was was a fast um, typewriter or a little bit fast. And then it, when it broke, when it broke down, you used to keep the typewriter under the bench just to, to be on the safe side because you just pull that out and start typing away because you never knew how to fix the damn thing. So I never imagined it was going to get to uh, where it is now. But if you go the other way around. I could never imagine going back to that old system as well because of the connectivity that all this new IT technology has given us now has been phenomenal. Mm. So it's, it can only be a positive for certainly the way we run our businesses and certainly with the uh, extra information we can provide our patients at real time. Uh, cash flow, like I mentioned before, PBS Online has been unbelievable compared to you know waiting for that really big check every month. Know, 30 to 60 days in arrears after you've done that work. So the list is endless. Mm. Uh, and that's why small business people like farms, the owners, I think have always, you know, you know always grabbed the opportunities in uh, improving technology in their pharmacies. No, absolutely. Look, obviously, you do get exposed probably more so than uh, than most uh, in, in many of your roles. Um, but uh, what do you do to keep um, up to date and to educate yourself on what new technology is evolving and what you, what's relevant to your business? Well, I try to, um, yeah, as you know, you've probably seen me at a few conferences. I try to go to as many conferences as possible and keep up to date with um, new whiz-bang ideas. In, in my role as the uh, national president, a lot of ideas come to me as well, Robert. I've got someone coming in after I speak to you that's going to give me some. So it, it's sort of I'm in, a, I'm in a position where a lot of these things are basically just thrown at me because they want my opinion, not because I'm an expert in the field, but because obviously I, I lead this organisation called the Guild, so I need to be on top of these things. So most of my uh, so-called education or... Uh, continuing education in the IT area it comes out of conferences, comes out of people coming to me. I've got a whole uh, stack of people that I can refer to in, in companies like Fred IT and Guildlink that you know we either own or have a share in, so I can always pick their brain yeah. if I'm not on top of certain issues or, or uh, emerging uh, trends. And, and there's staff in the Guild that are way ahead of me in the IT area that I can always refer to. And I guess when, when you get into um, liking something in particular and you can see it's particularly relevant to your pharmacy and you and your business, um, how do you go about implementing that? Um, and is that something that you take on yourself or um, are you supported by uh, suppliers and partners? A bit of both. I usually don't take it on myself because, again, in the role I've got now as national president, it's a bit hard for me to implement in my pharmacies without getting my business partners involved. So usually I will either try to just do the first step for them, try to either introduce them to the so-called new idea or new company or new um, business that um, may help may help our business and let them implement it in the pharmacies they run because each of my pharmacies has at least one business partner that is the operational manager. So he usually makes the final decision if a new system is implemented in our pharmacies rather than I. Absolutely. Has there been anything that you have implemented in the last year that has uh, perhaps changed or revolutionised any of those businesses? Uh, we 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 um, trialled the new Guildlink um, uh, little um, thing that they use on their um, point of sale. That's like it's a little. Um, was that the Guild Smart? Was it Guild Smart tablet thing that comes up on their uh, on our um, point of sale? So we trialled that at our Brunswick pharmacy, and we had some good results out of that. So it's like a, almost like a little scorecard thing that shows you um, 
how either A, your uh, staff are performing in certain areas, how your pricing is in terms of um, whether you've incorrectly or correctly put GST on certain products, or like, for example, it picks up mistakes where I'm sure a lot of pharmacies put GST, for example, on Suncare products that are exempt to GST, so it picks up little anomalies like that and also um, gives you scorecards in terms of how your uh, staff are performing. So we, we trialled that at our um, Brunswick store. That's gone rather well. Uh, what else have we done recently? Uh, we've certainly um, picked up all the, um, well, a couple of different programs in terms of um, the um, prescription reminder system. So in, in our group of five pharmacies, we have um, one Priceline pharmacy that's picked up the um, uh, that company that runs the Priceline. Um, I think the Health Note one. So we've had a good go at that one. Whilst at one of my other pharmacies, we've picked up the, because uh, that's independent, We've picked up the ERX Express um, SMS reminder system or the, the system that Fred IT runs with, yeah. and we've had some pretty good results there. And again, it's because those particular business partners have, have thought it was a good idea in their pharmacies. Mm, no, absolutely. And I guess what advice would you have for our pharmacy owner listeners? Um, I, I guess obviously as Guild President, but also as a fellow pharmacy owner, um, into I guess what role technology might play in their businesses, what advantages you see, and probably more pointedly, um, how should how should they get started? Oh, they should they should get started um, like probably most other business owners, make sure they listen to all these new ideas that are coming through and evaluate them as best they can. Um, certainly, if they want to take on any Guild-sponsored um, uh, or um, recommended products, they should feel comfortable that, you know, we've already evaluated those and they certainly could always speak to any Guild representatives about that if they want uh, biased advice, but nevertheless, second, you know, second advice so they can make sure that that decision is, uh, is thorough and it's going to obviously improve their businesses. But certainly other companies that have other ideas out there that will help their businesses, this is the sort of thing that they should be spending some time on and evaluating those ideas, evaluating those business proposals, evaluating what that new technology will, will do to their, their businesses. Each pharmacy, each business is different out there, Robert, as you may well know. But it may well not, you know, every new idea may not suit every business, but I wouldn't. I would highly recommend that all your listeners at least evaluate these things as they come through, because as we know, these things are coming through left, right, and centre at the moment. So it's good to keep a, a handle on them, and, and whether you take them on board or, or you think they're going to be worthwhile for your pharmacy will, at the end of the day, be your decision. But but do 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 not ignore do not ignore all these new ideas that are coming through. Absolutely, and, and particularly as, as far as um, what I talk about and preach around is transformation, education's at the centre of it. You need to be aware of it, and certainly every 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 pharmacy and every pharmacist is different, and uh, I'm a big believer that every process has its ability to be aided or automated by technology, but you don't want to change your process because there's a new whiz-bang technology. So, yeah, high, highly important that, uh, you know, awareness is certainly at, at the top of that. George, I'm going I'm to throw one at you because I, I know that with from what you get exposed to, uh, it's, it's probably a huge amount of things. Some things may get off the ground, some things otherwise, but what would you imagine and all so perhaps what may have seen as the biggest game-changing technology that if time or resources were no barrier, what would you implement in one of your pharmacies today? A game-changer. Mm. Uh, if time and money was not an issue, 
I, I mean, a game changer would be something like, uh, what would be the easiest thing? Obviously, some some sort of um, direct connection to each and every patient that walks in through the front through your door. You know, I mean, obviously, if I had the time and money to to somehow set up a uh, direct link to every single customer or patient that comes in through my front door, I would do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, more or less like what tablets and, and iPhones are doing these days, but some sort of direct connection with every single patient. So. If it was a perfect world and there was only one software package like I've sort of tried to allude to with my Portuguese experience, yeah. that's what I would do. I would have a direct contact with each and every one of my customers, uh, make sure that my software is directly linked only to that customer and every single customer that comes into my pharmacy. But as we know, it's uh, with all these apps and what have you out there at the moment, there's a lot of competition, yeah. so yeah. it'd be hard to do. But, yeah, that would be my so-called you know, infinity sort of idea. Uh, George, it's been great having you on the program this morning. I'm sure our listeners have got a lot out of it. You know, certainly the uh, the Portuguese story is certainly one that we pro- probably didn't plan on, but it was a brilliant story. And I think there's a lot that um, you know, pharmacy owners can particularly be be very thankful for for the system that we have in this country. And that yep. you know we haven't quite reached that point in time, but certainly it's great to see how those challenges got overcome. So thanks for joining on the program, and uh, we look forward to having you back in the not too distant future. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for your time. Thanks, George. Cheers. We certainly got a global view today, a national and also a local view. So certainly a well-rounded view of where eHealth stands today. So we certainly thank George and he gave us some great insights. My three key learnings. In times of crisis and uncertainty comes innovation. We need to recognize the challenges and meet them head on. Take the Portuguese example, where they used technology to collect valuable data sets that helped to solve the pharmacy cash flow crisis they had, and also in turn strengthened the relationship between its peak by- the pharmacy peak body and the government. So certainly a great outcome, and again, it came from a time of uncertainty, and innovating with technology was a great enabler and a solution. Number two. Education on the available technology and the developing impacts of technology on you and your pharmacy is now a mandatory requirement for all 21st century pharmacy owners. Take, for example, the hospital discharge idea that may come out from the change to MyHR, where it could strengthen collaboration and communication which could be invaluable for you and your pharmacy operationally, particularly at times when you've got limited staff numbers on weekends and weeknights, and you could just be able to solve that patient problem of coming home from a nursing home perhaps, or even a patient in their own home, because you're able to collaborate and receive that information in a timely manner and be prepared for it. So you need to ensure that you're ready to benefit from these initiatives when they come out. And that starts with having a strong education. Certainly on this show, being transformation and everything from a transformation flavor point of view, certainly what I'm trying to achieve in the book is really helping you to get some education in a very compact, systemized way that you can actually realize what's available, but also be able to then utilize that information and knowledge to actually put your hat on and have a think about how that's relevant to you and your business. Number three, 
An opt-out environment could be the catalyst for the patient data revolution, which should give rise to more useful, helpful and patient records. Better interprofessional collaboration will certainly be what we, what we should come out of this. So we are the most ready of all health professionals with PBS Online, ERX, MediSecure. We need to also be seen in our communities as leaders so that we can establish our pharmacies as primary healthcare destinations. And that's because we just have the best information available and we're able to process it and make it personalised to every patient so that they're, they're right at the centre of all of their care that occurs with them and also for them in collaboration with our other healthcare professionals. So the app of the week, and we'll continue on our file storage and synchronisation series. Covered Dropbox last week. I appreciate the feedback we got around that. I believe it was very useful. uh, And I think you'll get probably even more possibly out of this one as well. Today we're going to talk about Google Apps. So Google Apps, for those who have never come across this, is the professional or business or commercial version of Google. So if you have your own personal Gmail account, a lot of these tools are already available for you on a personal level. And that can include things like Google Drive, which is ultimately for documents and storage of photos and other files. Gmail, which is effectively just your email tool, but in a cloud-based software arrangement. And also things like Instant Message and Hangouts, which is uh, where you can uh, communicate back and forth, uh, almost like a walkie-talkie with friends and family and things like that. And uh, there's a lot of commercial aspects that come from that as well. So what Google Apps is, is that it takes that to, I guess, the next level as to how your business can benefit from such a great suite of collaboration, communication, and um, interactivity tools. And um, we'll cover those in three areas. There's a lot more that we can talk about in Google Apps beyond these three key areas. And I could probably do a whole webinar on this. So actually, if you think that's a great idea, tweet me or even email me. I actually probably don't mention enough in this show that I'm more than happy for you guys to email me as well. I know that it's probably a little bit more older school and for those who are just getting into a digital environment, it's probably your preferred tool of communication and you're not quite comfortable sending Twitter messages and tweets and things like that. So If there's ever any feedback or anything you'd like to send me as well, please feel free to email me at rszter at farmactive, all one word, dot com dot au, and I'd be happy to receive that from you as well. And I use Google Apps, and that's why I'm going to talk about it. Now, you might think, well, he spoke about Dropbox last week, and if this is a comparable product, why would you use both? Well, I'm going to cover that as well. So let's start with Google Drive. So as I mentioned, you can store documents in here, and that can be Word documents. It can be any of the Microsoft ones. And what that also does, much the same way as with Dropbox, and they've built this functionality in, is that it will synchronize just like that magic pocket we spoke about last week in Dropbox, anywhere, anytime, on any device. So ultimately, you still have a local copy 
as well as a cloud retrievable copy as well. And as I mentioned last week, if you have a second backup at a local level, like a time capsule for Mac or any other hard disk drive that you might have attached to a PC as well, you're really secure as far as how you can back up your files as well and they're instantly retrievable. You can also have the same camera upload um, possibilities to what's called Google Plus and Google Plus is effectively the Facebook of Google um, and it is increasing every day. There was a bit of press that went around probably not too long ago that Google Plus may be in trouble and that uh, Google may can it, but it still keeps picking up users every single day and it's becoming probably the third biggest social network behind uh, Facebook and YouTube. So still continue that space and perhaps even Twitter, they might even be fourth in line, but um, probably skipping ahead of where we we're going to talk about here. But ultimately, it's a good place for your files. It can synchronize your files and um, it can offer you all the same benefits as Dropbox, um, which is also then retrievable. Now, the one thing that does set Google Drive apart from Dropbox is that Dropbox ultimately, it's a great place for storing files, retrieving them, but you still need a program to actually run those files. So you still need Word on your computer if you open it up on the desktop, um, or you need some kind of Office um, accessibility or editing tool on a mobile or tablet device. So it's not it's not end to end. So you can store and synchronize, but you can't use. And that brings me to my point where Google Drive is very beneficial to have as well as Dropbox in your arsenal of technology to help you run your business. In that you can utilize Google Docs, which is like Google's version of Office. It probably hasn't got all the bells and whistles, but ultimately for basic word processing, basic spreadsheets, basic presentations, it does the job really, really well. And what it does also do, which is something that we've done, is it houses our quality care manual extremely well. Now, I'm not going to skip ahead and uh, let you know what the next few episodes around this as well, uh, but there is a Microsoft version called Office 365, and we'll cover how this can also be used for your quality care manual in a later episode. But ultimately, the benefit of having your quality care manual in there is that it is editable, and also, one of the great things of Google Apps is that you can provide a user profile or an account for every one of your team that you would like to be working on files together. Now, I will mention a specific setup that we used in when I talk about Gmail in a moment. Um, but ultimately, you can set permissions as to who can view it who can edit it. And so obviously, if you've got a quality care coordinator in your pharmacy, you'd give them editing permissions and make changes as you go. So the quality care doesn't become something you just cram into two weeks before your assessment, but it becomes that ongoing, um, ongoing process of review and improvement. And particularly collaboration as well. I don't know how many times before we put our quality care manual in Google Drive, people would have to go out the back, grab the folder, photocopy incident reports, photocopy um, data logs of backups and things like that. And it was done extremely inefficiently, whereas now everything is cloud-based. It's on every computer, accessible by everyone around a certain set of permissions that we set up. And if we find better ways 
improvements to our processes, we don't have to wait until a magical review that we've got set up each month. We'll actually just action it straight away. I, I, give, I give our team full authority. If they find a more efficient and a better quality way that gives our patients a better outcome, they can make those changes as we go. And obviously, because we review them, we use these processes every day, Again, it's something that we can monitor and again, tweak and change as we go. But putting quality care manual into an environment like that just makes that so easy. The second part is we're going to talk about Gmail. So Gmail is effectively your email in the cloud. Very simple. If you used Hotmail or you've used Gmail yourself as personally, there's absolutely no change as well. Where it's relevant for pharmacy, and we spoke about electronic faxing some episodes ago, is that your electronic faxes will now arrive in your email box. So there's no more running out the back to the office to get your faxes off the machine or having to rewire your dispensary to put a fax right next to the dispensary computers. And particularly, get rid of all the consumables, the toner, the power that it all uses. You don't need it. Just you need to convert to e-faxing and it works so well because you can also use, if you haven't already discovered, things called filters and rules that you can put around a specific um, message that you receive. So if you receive a fax from a particular phone number, you can type that phone number into a subject field to filter every one of those messages that arrives from that phone number to go into a folder. Why is that relevant? Well, if you're running an aged care business and each aged care business has its own unique fax number, you've now got an ability to automatically file all the medication charts, all of the communication from your nursing facilities in a dedicated folder on your email, which can be accessed by your pharmacist, your dispense techs, anywhere, anytime without, throughout the pharmacy as well. And particularly if you have pharmacists that go out onto, on premise in the, in the residential care facilities, again, they can access that while they're out there as well, which is a great thing. Plus, you can also actually fax from your email as well, but that's a whole other thing. And again, as I said, as I mentioned with um, um, Google Apps straight up, um, if you guys would love to know more about this and get more information and really be able to implement this really well, uh, please let me know and we'll organise um, a, a dedicated webinar or webinar series for this to get this happening for you in your pharmacies. So we've also got um, the ability to have team accounts. So that's how we set it up in our pharmacies is that the pharmacy has a team address which everyone can get access to but also that email can be then delegated to other team members who may have their own accounts. So everyone can get access to the team account. It means that if you have people wanting to email the store, customers, suppliers, all of those emails can go to a central place and then get filtered out to the relevant people um, by using the filters and the rules as well. It just makes things simpler for people to email to you, particularly if you've got key team members that don't work every day of the week. You don't want to have to ring them up on the weekend and say, have you got this email from so-and-so? It's a way of creating good collaboration. And the third one, which I find really, really useful, having going between our family stores, is Instant Message and Hangouts. Um, so what that is, is it, it's, a, it's a collaborative platform where your team can 
via instant message or just really having a text-based conversation without needing to use SMS or costing a lot of money. And you can also have video conferences as well, which is a whole other, a whole other thing as well. Um, around specific things. So it could be one store messaging another store, have you got this? Uh, we need to borrow this. Have you got this stock? We've just had our delivery. A customer wants this. Can you send this down to us? Or it might even be, look, I'd love you to look in to see, um, look at a couple of reports. But it's a good way of communicating. And the reason it is, as opposed to phone, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not an advocate for the death of the phone. However, how many times have we been in our pharmacies where we've got customers coming in and we're stuck on the phone talking to someone? You can't just say, sorry, I'm just going to hang up the phone and then I'll call you back. This way, if there's really non-urgent communication, and to be honest, a lot of our communication is non-urgent, we can agree with that, um, is, is that messages can go across and the minute a team member is available and you can have these messages pop up on as many computers as you like, so to have everyone do it or a specific person accessing those messages, but it's great when everyone does it because the first available person can act on it, so long as you give them authority to do that, of course. Um, it, it's a great way of um, ensuring that customer flow doesn't get interrupted. So those messages can be viewed, acted upon, and obviously if something requires further information, you pick up the phone and call them, but obviously at a time of their choosing, and you can arrange those calls with instant message. Plus, there's been times when I've been away from the store and they may want to ask me a specific question. So rather than ring me or worry about, well, do I have my phone with me or whatever, they can send an instant message. And if I'm, if I'm able to shoot a message back, I will do that. And that just brings me closer to my team from wherever I may be outside of the pharmacy. So that's our micro transformation for the week. As I said, if you have any questions, please let me know. Um, Next week, we're going to continue the pharmacy automation series. We've got Tim Shelton coming up, another successful pharmacy owner. He's regional based and also he's got a long history of using pharmacy automation. We spoke to Greg last week and he just implemented it in the last nine months. Tim's had his machine for over six years. So again, we'll really bulletproof this education series that we're having on finding the right pharmacy automation product for you and getting to know the pitfalls and the benefits as well. Please continue to send through your feedback on my offer for the signed copy of Transformation um, is still open to the next five. As I was reminded quite politely, um, all of our previous... Um, listeners who have left feedback in the past, whether it's been on the blog and uh, whether it's been on Twitter or whatever, all of you will be included in that. You haven't missed out. I'm not just doing this for a new customers only. All of our previous feedback um, are all going to get a copy of it as well. So in view of that, I'm going to leave the offer open to only the next five people and um, we'll, we'll see how we go from there. Guys, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to speaking to you all next week.